You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Hi, welcome. It's great to have you here. How good is that to proclaim the Word of God in a song? So powerful. Yeah, amen. <laughs> so this is a bit of a message. This is uh, this is a like I shouldn't have brought my friend sort of message, you know. I start to regret it as soon as you come in. But we're going to talk today about some serious things. Um, we're going to talk today about fear and foolishness, about testing the Father, and about having a healthy fear of God, and about some people who didn't have any fear of God and, and what this cost them. I'm sorry in advance if it's a little bit intense, but you know it's a fairly serious portion of the Bible, so uh, it's the Word of God. Yeah. So if you want to open up your Bibles or your iPads or whatever you've got with you to read on, and you can do it. It's uh, Acts chapter four verse thirty-two. It should be on the screen behind me too. And we're going to start a little bit in last week's passage and then run over to chapter five. And I'm reading from the NIV. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all, there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of, a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but he brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Mm-hmm. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to just human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down and died at his feet. Then the young man came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to the number. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So there's, there's a lot in here, there's a lot of questions, and uh, 
I've got three points, but there could be three little sermons. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of big stuff in here. And I think when you glance over it, when you read it at home, sometimes you just think, well, what's going on? And kind of, why, why has this happened? And, and sort of carry on. Um, who killed Ananias and Sapphira? And, and why did they die? Some people believe that Ananias got a big shock at being caught out, that he had a heart attack. Did his wife also die from a shock and a heart attack a matter of hours later? I, I think this is a pretty big, would be a pretty big coincidence, and I think it's fairly unlikely that, that could be the case. Peter pronounced the judgment on Sapphira. Did Peter kill him? I don't think so. So is this the direct judgment of God? There's much speculation about this amongst Bible scholars, and the text doesn't appear to give us a conclusive answer, but I'm going to try and unpack what I believe God has shown us in the verses. Why they died, and the important lessons we can take away from this very serious and controversial event. I'm sure many of you will already spend time on this piece of passage of scripture, but please weigh this for yourselves and study it later as well. So the first thing we come to is attitude. This all starts with giving and Ananias' attitude. Uh, we heard about last week in chapter 4, and, and it overlaps in chapter 5 a bit. But here are two examples of people giving gifts to the apostles to help with the needs of the growing church. The actions of the two individuals are very similar, but the results are catastrophically different. Hearts and desires are entirely different. I need to repeat again that there was no pressure here for anyone to sell a property. Yeah. If they, they didn't have to do this. It wasn't called for them to do this. If they, they did it if and when God convicted them to do so. Yeah. Peter states this in the passage in chapter 5. So some of them still owned their own property and houses. At the end of chapter 4 we read that Joseph, nicknamed Barnabas, the son of encouragement, sold his field and brought the proceeds. I mean, what a great name. The encourager. That's right. Yeah. He's a generous man in the name. true sense of the word. And he's an encourager. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they didn't ask for this name. Um, I think the disciples saw something in him. Yeah. And they started calling him the encourager. You're the encourager. That's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We hear about him another 24 times in the book of Acts. And he becomes this important figure in the early church. Later in Acts, when Paul comes back to Jerusalem and the disciples are suspicious of him, quite rightly, it's Barnabas who believes in him and pushes him on. Imagine what would have been lost if Barnabas hadn't been there encouraging, mm -hmm. building up. So he quickly becomes this important figure in the church, and he's clearly quite quickly gained the respect from the disciples as well, the church leaders. And then we have Ananias. From the outside, they appear to do exactly the same thing. But on the inside, he's completely different. His attitude and his motivation is entirely different. He's deceitful. Him and his wife are liars. He kept back. He, of his own free will, pledges the sale of the money from his property to God. But then he holds back. Mm. The Greek word used for hold back here is translated as to purloin, which is to steal. Wow. So wow. Peter is saying, why are you now trying to steal what you pledged to God? It's pretty strong. Yeah. He was free to give it or not. He was free to hold some back. Why not? 
You didn't have to give it all. But it's the lie that turns it into a theft. It's the deceit. This is it all. I'm pledging all the funds from this sale to God. And Peter says, are you sure that's it all? It's not how much he gave, it's that he pretended to get it all. Yeah. And Jesus says in Matthew to, oh, sorry, he's pretending. He's acting and he's a hypocrite. Yeah. And Jesus says in Matthew to beware the hypocrisy of the Pharisee. He doesn't take kindly to the Pharisees because they're hypocrites. A hypocrite is an actor. He's acting a certain way to impress you and it's not his conviction. It's a facade. Mm. And Jesus is really hard on hypocrisy because the Pharisees did it all the time. The Jews had had centuries of hypocrisy. They had turned the holy place and the holy things of God into a show. And here God says, not in my church. Mm. So firstly, his attitude to the given is wrong. The lies trying to cheat God. And it becomes clear that he doesn't fear the Lord. Yeah. Can you imagine if this happened in our church today? If somebody came in here and set down 250 grand at my feet. <laughs> all right. And I said, is that it all? <laughs> Are you sure? And he says, yeah, that's it all. And then just drops down dead. What we do? It's wild. Good time to pass around the offering bucket. <laughs> so his attitude is wrong. But then we come to the fear of the Lord. At the end of chapter five, we see in verse eleven: great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. And the word fear here translates from the Greek as phobos, which can be used as both fear and terror, but also reverence and respect. The great fear in the church is ultimately caused by Ananias and Sapphira dropping dead in front of the people who were there. And it's really no wonder. (laughs) This whole passage of scripture is really severe. And it's severe because it makes us think and question the God we serve, his behavior, his character, And we talk an awful lot in church about the love of God. Mm. About how he cares for us and about his promises in the Bible and about how good he is. Mm. And that is all true. We talk a lot less about smiting. (laughs) About God causing the death of somebody. It's very uncomfortable. Mm. We feel like it makes God look bad. So we just sort of edit it out a little bit. Or if it's Old Testament, we kind of use that as an excuse as if to say, well... You know, back then God had to deal with these evildoers and, you know, in the New Testament it's all love and light. But that's just not true. He's the same God. The same God of the New Testament is the same God that sent the flood. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And an example of God's wrath is here in the New Testament in black and white. You should be afraid. Stay with me here. Look who you're dealing with. Think about who you're worshipping. Realise who God is. His mightiness. His holiness. His wrath is to be feared. Because his judgement is just. 
Isaiah said when, when he's prophesying that, uh, when he saw a vision, sorry, of God sitting on the throne, that even the seraphim who are there, who are serving him day and night, hide their faces. Yeah. And they shout, holy, holy, holy. Mm-hmm. And he's afraid. The Bible is full of references about the fear of the Lord, commands to fear him, warnings to fear him. Mm-hmm. There's too many to quote them all. It's by his grace that we have very breath in our lungs. The very air we breathe is a gift of God. We could be extinguished by a word from him. Everything you've achieved and managed to do up to this point is only possible by his grace. Because he is the Lord. He is the creator. He is the almighty. The beginning and the end. We should approach him with reverence because he is holy. He's so magnificent that we cannot even see his face and live. When we understand this fear, it should make us run into him, not run away from him. The reverence, the understanding of his might and power. When we realise that Christ has taken the full wrath of God upon himself. That through him we can approach God and say, I'm sorry. Yeah. I deserve the judgement. But he has brought me back to himself through his great grace and love yes. and mercy. Good, mate. When you start good. to take hold of this, the reality of this incredible love starts to wash over you. Mm-hmm. And you wonder, how can you love me? Yeah. This mighty creator. How? This is what makes grace amazing. Yeah. God's grace in Christ is the refuge from his wrath. Amen. Through Christ's sacrifice, we have reconnected with him and he's adopted us and that changes everything. Amen. Because now we know him as Father. Yes, as the so good. Father. Yeah. Even though we have reverent fear of the capabilities of the Father. We've crossed over. We're on His side. He is for us. And we are safe in the knowledge that His love abounds and we can never be separated from Him. Amen. That is what fear of the Lord leads to. Reverence. Submission. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And ultimately love. Ananias hadn't got it. He didn't fear God, and it's clear here. He tried to cheat God, to lie to God. And the event of their deaths leaves the whole church with a reverent fear of the Lord. He confirms that although he is all-loving and all-given, he is to be feared and revered. So what about Ananias? What about grace for him, you say? I mean, Ananias has made a mistake, and haven't we all made mistakes? The disciples are going around preaching the grace of God, are they not? Yeah, yeah. Why is there not grace for this? We receive grace when we hear the message of Christ's sacrifice for us and we cry out to God for salvation. Yeah. Then we come under the covenant of grace. The question is, have Ananias done this? Mm. Were they true believers? Had they really trusted in Christ? You still with me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, now we're really getting to the crux of it. He's got the wrong attitude to give him. He's got no fear of God. And he's got a motive. A motive for what? Ananias wanted to make an impact. He wanted to make an impression on the leadership of the church. And he wanted to be a leader. He wanted to be recognised. It's very significant that the two stories are on top of one another. Yeah. The story of Ananias and Sapphira makes sense 
because of the tiny story about Barnabas, mm, which precedes yeah. it in chapter 4. He'd seen what Barnabas had done, the encourager. Mm -hmm. You're the encourager. What they bestowed on him. Yeah, yeah. And how the disciples had gained respect for him. And Ananias is thinking, I want that. Mm. Yeah, that's it, mate. He wants to look as generous as Bar Barnabas, or maybe more generous. We don't know how much he gave, but maybe it was ten times what, what Barnabas gave. Maybe in his mind they, they would start calling him Ananias the generous. He's working on his own self-righteousness. Yeah. And in chapter 4 we see all the believers were of one heart and mind. Ananias is not of the same mind or heart. Yeah, that's good. He's set on advancing his own standing and his own reputation. And he holds back money for himself instead of trusting in God. Mm. So again we have to ask, why, was he a true follower of Christ? Later in chapter 5 it says how no one else dared to join them, even though they respected them. Yet, more and more people believed. The events of the death of Ananias and Sapphira cut through and make people think before joining the church. It says no one else dared, even though they respected them. There is a distinction made here between joining them and those who believed. It's as though God uses this event to separate the ones who respected what was going on and the ones who were believing. He's saying, get serious. The events made people really consider before getting involved. And you'll have to make up your own mind about this, but I believe that the actions and intentions of Ananias show that he was someone who liked the idea of what was going on, but hadn't believed. So Ananias had motive. He was motivated for himself, for his own self-gain and his own self-righteousness. But he wasn't working alone. In what is possibly the most important verse in this whole piece, verse 3, by the Spirit, Peter sees through the act and brings the whole truth of deception out into the open. Why have you let Satan fill your heart? I mean, that's a serious thing to say to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> to discern and to act on this, that's what he says. How can your heart belong to Jesus if it's filled with Satan? Ananias wants to get into the leadership by lying to God, by deceit. But it's the devil working through him who wants to cripple the church. To infiltrate, to deceive, to destroy what God himself is building. Yeah. He sees it as another opportunity. <coughs> And God says, no, not in my church. Yeah. That's why Ananias and Sapphira died. Can you imagine having the discernment Peter has to call him out on this? Yes. Mm -hmm. It's the power of the Spirit working through him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is a pivotal time for the church. Something extremely holy is happening here. And you might still be thinking, well, this is still a bit harsh. There should still have been grace for Ananias and Sapphira. But hadn't they already heard the gospel? they'd been with the other people the 3,000 who'd been added they'd heard the preaching they'd joined the church but Ananias chose his path and Sapphira with him he'd chosen to obey his deceitful heart and the devil instead of choosing grace in Jesus and he breathed his last it's the beginning of God's holy church 
we will be opposed by men, but the kingdom is opposed by Satan. Yeah. The only way to overcome him is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Peter didn't back down when he was told to stop preaching the word because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. The same Holy Spirit that gave him this incredible discernment. The church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Satan tries to infiltrate the temple. He attempts to put people in power in the church to get into leadership mm. and to destroy and disrupt the church of God and God shuts down the plan. So the whole event is really about Satan's attempts to disrupt the leadership and about Peter taking action when the Holy Spirit speaks. As Christians, we can be filled with the Spirit, but not realise the value of what we have. We still have to act when the Spirit leads us. Yeah. If Peter hadn't acted when the Spirit told him, Ananias is lying. If he, if he discerned that, and he just sat on his hands, things may have looked very different. Not to say that God wouldn't have found a way, but it would have hindered the progress of the church at that point. Yeah. I've got a little picture here I want to show you. Uh, this is a recent news story, I don't know, hopefully it'll come up. But no. That's not like that's a cross. I'm really sorry, it hasn't come through anyway. Well, it's not worked, that's okay. Well, uh, basically, uh, what I was going to show you is a picture of a man beside a small painting. And the painting's probably about the size of my back here, it's quite a little dinky little thing. Um, and uh, I don't know if any of you saw this, but this tiny little painting is, is called Christ Perfect. And it's not really about what's in the picture. But it's been hanging in the kitchen of a 90-year-old French lady for who knows how long. And she said she considered it of little importance. Mm. It was spotted by an auctioneer while he was visiting her house who suggested she have it valued. As it happens, this Renaissance masterpiece is actually attributed to a 13th century Italian painter called Cimabue. Great pronunciation. Thank you. <laughs> That's better than And it sold at auction recently for £20.7 million. Sits in the kitchen. Now she's lived happily with this painting, hanging in her kitchen for most of her life. And I'm sure that it brought her some of her joy as a painter. But imagine how different her life would have been if she understood the value and acted on it earlier. Yeah. Yeah. She considered it of little importance. I think as Christians we can dull down and desensitize the importance of having the Holy Spirit living in us. Yeah. For me it wasn't until my late teens and I started walking away from God that I realised I'd grown up in the presence of the Holy Spirit in my household. And I just didn't realise. And I saw life without him, and I ran back to him. Amen, Jesus. Thank you. Don't consider him of little importance. The whole book is called Acts. We will never act appropriately if we don't understand the value of what we have. Yeah. And what we have is this. That when we turn from our sins and believe and trust in Christ, Lord God Almighty, who's just wrath we feared, the mighty, all-powerful, Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth, the most high, the one who is holy above all, sends his very spirit to dwell in us. 
same spirit who was hovering over the waters at the beginning of the earth, who inspired the prophets, who guided the kings, who raised Jesus from the dead, and who roared the church into life in Acts. He lives in you. Are we listening and acting as the Holy Spirit speaks and inspires us? We must understand the value of this and step out when he calls us to. Yeah, that's good. As we step out in faith in response to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, he empowers us and does the work through us. As he did with Peter in the early church, Peter had to open his mouth, but the Lord spoke. Yes. The Holy Spirit didn't get me from there to here, but the Holy Spirit is doing this. <laughs> have to act there's a problem he will inspire you and you have to act yes Amen. this story is about the Holy Spirit working through Peter to stop the devil disrupting the church Satan could not block the progress of the church and he still can't yeah. Amen. Matthew 16 18 I will build my church and the gates of hell shall be we will Let's overcome go. him by the power of the Spirit 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than in the world. Yeah. We are going to constantly be challenged by the devil, attempting to disrupt us, spreading yeah. the gospel. And the only way for us to overcome that is to be renewed and filled continually by the Spirit. Amen. If you're not filled with the Spirit, believe in Christ. Ask for forgiveness for your sins. Come under his covenant grace and the very Spirit of God who made you will come and live in you, transform you and give you life. Amen. If you are filled with the Spirit, you already have all of it. But has He got all of you? Let's surrender ourselves afresh to God and His mighty power. Let His mighty power be outworked through us in this town and in this time for His glory. I had a word. Just earlier, I don't think it's relevant to anybody in the prayer room. I think it's relevant to the whole thing, but maybe it's specific to you. And it was wake up. Wake up, O sleeper. Yeah. If you want to be prayed for to be filled with the Holy Spirit this morning, just ask some of the leaders to come up at the end here. Please, you're welcome to come forward. We ask people to step out to the front because that is a step out. That is an action. But it's okay if you want prayer after as well. Someone can meet with you back. Or if you want to give your life to Christ for the first time, please speak to our leaders. I'm just going to pray now to close. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you that the very living, powerful God that created the universe is living in us, living in this church, living in these people. I pray that you would inspire us and have all of us that we might act when you speak. Send your spirit now afresh and touch everybody's lives in this room, that we might know the great joy and peace that comes from being full of unity.